We are live at the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles, California, downtown Los Angeles. We're near Pershing Square at the moment. <laughs> and sure. it is February 23rd, 1939. We are at the 11th Annual Academy Awards, and it's time for the big winner of the night, the envelope, please. And the winner is... You can't take it with you. Yes, I can. You sure oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I actually told Capra, like, actually, you uh, can't take that. You can't you take that Oscar with two. you. You have to yeah, put that back. A little too many. <laughs> That's right. This is the third best director win Isn't for, wild? for Frank Capra. He also won for Mr. Deeds Go to Town, though that one did not win Best Picture. Did not. Yes. Um, he, of course, won for, um, what did we just talk about? Uh, he won for it happened one. There we go. Yikes. Wow. <laughs> Guess it's not my favorite movie of the 30s. Wow. <laughs> what does that say? I have no idea. Okay. But cool. he was like the first to get three, wasn't he? Capra. He was the first to get three. A uh, feat that would soon be repeated by John Ford. Very soon. Who after. would go on to get four. He would, yeah. Um, and he won two in a row. He Yeah, he won for uh, The Grapes of Wrath. Grapes and 40. And then and How Green Was My Valley, um, which was his third. That was his third, uh, yeah. And then he ended up, and then he ended up getting a, th- a fourth for the Quiet Man, right in the fifties. Um, and then William Wyler mm. would win a third Oscar, finally, for, finally for Ben Hur. Ben Hur, which I know we both have fond feelings. Oh, we're for almost William getting Wyler. into like the decade of William Wyler, and I'm so I know, excited. We do get to talk. We're so close. <laughs> we do get to talk about him this time around because he is nominated. Yes, uh, for best director, and he um, is also. Oh wait, this year? Not this year. Oh, Next no, year he's, he is. He's nominated for best picture. Oh, best or, picture. Yes. I mean, like, well, he's the I don't, the producer. He's the is he the producer for On... it? Jezebel? No, he's not. No. But, but we can talk about the fact that he made a movie that is nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> that stars Betty Davis. <laughs> that stars... Really, that's all we wanted. Like, that's, William... That's, we're getting to Betty Davis. Will, that's what Betty we're Davis is... Well, I mean, we've already talked about her, but we have so much more Betty. Very coming. true. Okay, let's um, talk about 1938. We've got... There's a lot going on in 1938. There's a lot going on. Um, as we said, Frank Capra sets a record, but there's also a couple other records that happened this year. Oh, do tell. Um... Of the four people who win Academy Awards, three of them already had an Oscar. <gasps> right? You the are right. Actors. Oh my uh, gosh, you're so right. Yes. Uh, this is the second year in a row Spencer Tracy wins Best Actor. Yes. He um, was the first one to win two in a row. Yes. Acting-wise. And both him uh, and then... Uh, no, no I'm lying to you. you were, I was going to say, no, that's Oh accurate. my gosh. <laughs> Nope, wrong. Betty Davis wins her second Oscar for Jezebel. Yes, I'm sure a more deserving one. We'll talk about that extensively. <laughs> um, I have many things yes. I can say about that. Um, and then uh, uh, I, I, I can't think of his name. Walter Brennan. Walter Brennan. Um, he won for Kentucky. Won for Kentucky, which that's his, his second, second of already, three. Yeah. Correct. Because he won the first supporting actor. Yes, he did. Oscar in 36. And he's not done. He's not he, done He's yet, coming no. back. Faye Bainter, meanwhile, won Best Supporting Actress, which is interesting because she was also nominated for Best Actress. She sure was. So she's the first person to be nominated in both categories in the same yeah. year, which only happens a few more times. Just a handful. Just a and handful. And what's interesting is usually, I will say this too, whenever some, an actor is nominated in both categories, mm-hmm. they will usually not win either of them, which we'll, we'll see a little bit later on. We'll see with like Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, that happens to her. Yes. It, it does, it, it worked for Holly Hunter. It did work for Holly Hunter. And it worked for Jessica Lange. 
Jessica Lange it did, yes. yes. And Fib Angel. So maybe it works more than it doesn't work. We'll find out. Well, there's also a weird situation where it works for the Barry uh, Oh, Barry Fitzgerald. And Going My Way, but he's nominated. performance. But he's That's nominated. Weird. It's a weird situation. We'll get there. Yeah, I still don't fully understand that. We'll get there. 1944. No, we, I gotta rewatch <laughs> Going My Way to really understand uh, that one. That's uh, true, yeah. Uh, so anyway... Um, Apparently, there's a few years here where the Oscars are not broadcast on radio. Is this uh, one of them? Yes. It, the coverage was banned for this ceremony for some reason. It doesn't explain why. Was it because... I was reading about this year... Um, Maybe you know. What's interesting about this year, too, is Frank Capra, who won Best Director, was also, at the time, president of the Academy. And what I had read was there was a huge... Um, feud going on uh, between directors and producers with their their unions, mm-hmm. and he was always trying to like you know settle. Medicaid. Definitely. So I wonder if maybe that was the reason why it wasn't broadcast on radio. If there was some kind. I of... I mean that that would make sense. Either, like, um, agreement fell through or something. This is a factoid that actually has a citation on Wikipedia. Not always something you see. Oh wow! But the citation's <clears throat> a book, so I can't bring it up and read more extensively about that right now. Fair. Um. But uh, radio coverage resumes in the 40s, so we're going to have a few years where we just have the archival newsreel footage, and that's interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. Um, we have another uh, we have another Oscar given this year for Juvenile, um, and it goes to Deanna Durbin. Oh, yes. And Deanna Mickey Durbin. Rooney, two, are given out. Mickey Rooney. Mickey yeah. Rooney, who does end up sustaining Deanna Durbin, who doesn't as much. Not so much. But she is a big deal for those of us who were Universal tour guides. Oh, yes. <laughs> she helped save the studio. Her, like, movies were the only ones actually making money for, like, a period of time. You know, <laughs> speaking of that, one thing that I think is really interesting about the career of Frank Capra is that he works at Columbia during this time, and Columbia's not a major studio. Not too I major. mean... It, they have some big movies and they have some stars, but they're not considered one of the top five. Definitely during this period, but he's still he he's racking up Oscars for him. I wonder if maybe that's the reason why he had such a, a a big say in what he could do is because he was a huge director working at a smaller studio, so he kind of had more control. Although for you can't take it with you, he had to convince um, the head of the studio, uh, Harry um, Cohn. Yeah, Harry, Harry Cohn. Harry Cohn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to buy the rights to You Can't Take It With You. He pretty much had to yeah. beg, and, <laughs> beg on his knees. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and go through the other Best Picture winners before let's we... Do it. Best Picture nominees, excuse me. Uh, we got Adventures of Robin Hood, mm. which is what I would probably pick as the Best Picture of 1938. Oh, very so fun. I have not seen it. I would love to. Is um, that... Who's in... That's... Um, it's Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn. And Olivia de Havilland. And Olivia de Havilland. That's what I thought. Okay. And Basil Rathbone. Oh, I love Basil Rathbone. And Claude Rains. Oh, what a delight. Okay. Uh, it's so... Oh, also, What's-His-Face, who's the dad of um, the Skipper uh, on Gilligan's Island. On <laughs> Gilligan's Island? Uh, they have the same name. That's the reason that I, I think of it. Uh, his name is uh, Alan Hale Sr. and then Alan Hale Jr. Oh, sure. They look exactly the same. Um, it's it's the best version of Robin Hood, bar none. It's in Technicolor. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, Olivia Havilland's made Marion. He's uh, Errol Flynn is Robin Hood. Is it better than the Disney version? It is better than the Disney version. I don't know. The Disney version has Peter Ustinov as the the king, and he's such a good voiceover actor. I, cha- I, I see your Peter Ustinov, and I raise you an Errol Flynn, 
being That's super charming, true. incredibly attractive. Very handsome. Um, when he swings down on a vine and says, Welcome to Sherwood, my lady. You're like, am it. <laughs> you are there for it. And then, and then Olivia. I mean, it's Olivia. It's Olivia. It's Olivia. And it's... Uh, it's it's wonderful. I would think it's the best picture of 1938. Well, I should watch it. I will watch it. But I haven't seen Alexander's Ragtime Band. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know if I ever will. Uh, Maybe I, one day. One day. Boys Town. Um, that is the movie that Spencer Tracy won Best Actor for. Best Actor. Also, sadly, haven't seen, so I can't comment on it. I, I know either. that Mickey Rooney's in it. I'm not going to lie to you. I have not seen a vast majority of these nominees. Uh, I got a couple more okay, that I've good. seen, but I haven't seen The side, Citadel? Citadel? The Citadel? No, I haven't, I haven't seen, seen that seen either. It. I have seen Four Daughters. Okay. Um, it's a cute... It's definitely not a Best Picture winner, but it's, it's, it's a cute... Um, little movie that has Claude Rains having four daughters, three of which are played by real-life sisters. One of them, the most famous of which is Priscilla Lane, who was in Saboteur, oh, the Hitchcock movie, yeah. and uh, she's in um, uh, the Cary Grant uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh, okay. She's the girlfriend in that. But um, uh, her, her, two of her sisters, and this other girl who's not their real-life sister. They had a real-life sister who was the fourth sister, but they decided that sister was too old to play their sister in the movie. Wow, that's so Hollywood. <laughs> so, so you're too old to play your actual sister. And then that movie was so successful. It's Michael Curtiz directed it. Yeah. And it's John Garfield's like screen debut, and he was oh. nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He was really good in it. Sure and was. then the movie was remade with Frank Sinatra and Doris Day, and it was called uh, Young at Heart. Anyway, and that oh, one's okay. not very good. Not very good. Uh, but Four Daughters had sequels. There were four wives and four mothers. Really? Yes. Oh my gosh, okay. Yes. Grand Illusion, which I should see at some point. It's the first foreign film nominated for, oh, right. for Best Picture. I think we've both seen Jezebel. Yes, Jezebel. Jezebel <laughs> is, a, is I, I, I think you can't take it with you, is a better movie. I agree. Yeah, Jezebel... <clears throat> Uh, Jezebel's a great performance film. I think Betty Davis is amazing in the movie. Oh, she's. she's it is a, a little long, though. Major. I will say, it goes on a little too long for me. No, it goes on a little too long. Uh, there are some racial issues. Yes, there are. Yes. With the movie, it's yes, New Orleans in the 1850s, you can imagine. <clears throat> plantations. Um, plantations, <laughs> singing slaves. <laughs> um, not, not good. Uh, but, um, but Betty Davis is a force of nature. She's amazing. In the this movie. is it is like I feel like people always say this is the role she was destined to play and it's very true. And it's also like very obvious this was kind of the her consolation prize for not getting to play Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind. In Gone with the Wind. Which, which is that true? There's that story I mean like where Jack Warner was like we're going to give you this story there's the story that she tells. Right. There's the story that every Gone with the Wind documentary tells, right, which right, is right. probably more accurate I than what she tells. That. Because what Betty said is that whenever she walked out, because Betty Davis um, walked out of Warner Brothers 1936-1937 uh, because they were not giving her good parts, even though she had just won an Oscar. And so she uh, walked out in the studio um, and... Jack Warner is like, we just optioned a great book for you. Right. Um, it's called Gone with the Wind, and she says that she said, I bet it's a pip. Right. And <laughs> I bet it's a pip. <laughs> I don't know if that was Catherine Hepburn or Betty Davis. It was somewhere between the two. But um, 
uh, she walks out. She has the court case. By the time it gets back, it's a huge. The novel is a huge success, and David O. Selznick has the rights. Right. That's what she says. Um, she also claims she named Oscar. I mean, that's true. She she makes a lot of claims, lots of claims. Although um, I will I will say this though: the parallels between Scarlet and um, uh, Julie. Julie, yes, yes, thank you. Jezebel um, is uh, is is a reference to the Bible, right? Yes, um, not the name of the character. They're very similar. Um, like character arcs. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the, yes. Definitely. And both take place in the, the plantation days of the South. Yes. And and that is directed by William Wyler. Yes. Which was their first pairing. Their this was Betty and William Wyler's apparently first. Apparently had an affair while this was going on. Makes sense. Um, and it, I, I will agree. I will admit it's very true. I've read time and time again that even Betty has said this too that her favorite director was William Wyler. He got the best performances out of her. Yeah. And uh, we will talk more We're, about that in years to come. We have two more movies. We have not gotten to my favorite Betty performance yet. We're getting there. Is it we're coming up there. soon? Yeah, we're getting there. Does it start with an L? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> does it involve something that you mail or something that you hunt? <laughs> if you're really rich. <laughs> oh, oh, that's true. There are two L's yeah. in a row. Um, it's something you hunt. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite performance oh, of hers, too. Favorite. I can't. I really like the other L, too. But, Me, too. That's awesome. Um, Pygmalion, which is remade and wins Best Picture as My Favorite Lady. My Favorite Lady. My Favorite, <laughs> my favorite lady. lady. My Fair Lady. Um, but I love that Pygmalion was, um, what's her face? Wendy Hiller's first Oscar nomination. Yeah, and she comes uh, back. She does come back a couple of times. Uh, in the, and she doesn't win, does she? She's she wins just, for a separate table. Oh, she does. Yes. A supporting actress. Supporting actress. Yes. 50, what year is that? 50... Uh, eight. Eight, 58. Yeah, 58. And then nominated again for, uh, in, oh, in 66 for... Um, 66? 66, Best Picture. Uh, you Say mean it. A Man for a All, man for all seasons. seasons. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, supporting actress for that as well. She's a great actress. I love Wendy Hiller. I think yeah. she's fantastic. Well, and she's the original Eliza Doolittle. And she's the original Eliza. And I have not seen Pygmalion. No, but I've seen My Fair Lady. As have I. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk so about I that in the 60s. The yes. <laughs> Without the music, but yes. same thing. And Leslie Howard, you know? And Leslie Howard, he's wonderful. Uh, Test Pilot. I've also seen Test Pilot. Have you? I have never even heard um, of Test Pilot. I don't remember it very well. There you but go. I watched it when I was in high school, like when it was on TCM, when my parents were watching it. Nice. So we all watched. So did not Test leave a Pilot. big impression. It has Spencer Tracy and Myrna Loy and Clark Gable. So oh, it's wow. a great cast. That's a wonderful cast. Um, I remember it being entertaining. I don't. I again, you can't take it. It's not. It's not as good as you can't take it with you. So sure, it's not. Uh, the only movie of the ones I've seen on this list that I think rival it are that I think should Robin have won Hood. is Robin Hood. Robin, Robin Hood is, is so timeless. You'll love it when you Fair. see it. I would love to watch it. Um, but our winner was you can't take it with you. Uh, how do you feel about it? Okay, I really enjoyed this movie. This movie's a lot of fun. Um, it's it's so silly to me to now like see a movie like this and know it's time and place in 1938 and be like if this film were to come out now today like it wouldn't be this huge prestige Oscar winning film no it would be like uh, a family movie you know what I mean like that's what Capra made though Capra made no. a great family movie no the only the only movie that really um It's a Wonderful Life is kind of an anomaly for him because it's like the only one that um it's it's different from his other movies in a lot of ways. He yeah. does trend towards comedies, 
he does make message pictures, but they yes. tend to be comedic. Definitely. It's all um, about, like, the American... Yes. Like, what you should value as, like, an American and how you... It's, it's all... I mean, this movie is a huge commentary on capitalism. Yes. And how but he literally you doesn't... can't take money with you to the grave, so all you're going to have left is your relationships with those yes. who are, you are close to, uh, the love you share with each other, uh, experiences you have, that kind of yes. thing. Yes. Excuse me. He has another movie called Meet John Doe that is yes. um, that is uh, a little bit more Ooh, Gary Cooper on the playing dramatic. a baseball player. That's all you need to know. <laughs> oh, he's not a baseball player. That's the pride of the Yankees. No, but he's a baseball player in uh, Meet John Doe. He's an ex baseball player. Ex-baseball. He's an ex pitcher. Ex pitcher. That's because he is. hurts his arm. Yes. Yes. Um, and he's but they like get him to pretend yes. to be somebody else to pretend to play this guy who it's John uh, Doe is going to jump off the and building. honestly yeah. like. That one is less comedic than... Oh, yeah, that one's way more dramatic. That one is way more dramatic, but that was the one, oddly, that didn't get the Oscar nomination. Totally, and you know what I think about that movie? I actually just watched the movie recently for a class I'm taking, and that movie, to me, is like Capra going to his full extreme. Like, it is... It is a little preachy. Yes. Yeah. Like, he like he lays it on real thick. Yes. It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> Whereas The I best think... part of that movie is that Barbara Stanwyck playing a newspaper reporter is a great idea. She's fantastic. Yes. yes. <laughs> she is great in that movie. Yeah. Um, but what's cool about that, too, is you see a lot of return uh, characters in that movie. Like, um, uh, Arnold, what's his name? Um, oh, what are you looking for? Oh, and you can't take it with you. What's his name? The one who plays... Edward Arnold. Arnold. Edward Arnold. Yes, thank yes. you. He's also in Meet John Doe. He's... Oh, and so is the... Uh, Barbara Stanwyck's mother is played by... Jean... Spring... It's Spring Vineton. Spring Vineton, yes. Who, uh, Jean yes. Arthur's mom in this movie is Spring Yeah, Vineton. absolutely. Um, uh, and you'll also see... Oh, but that's the thing about Capra, too. He, he uses a lot he of the same actors. He uses a lot of the same. Uh, same with Mr. Smith Goes to Washington next year. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of the same actors in that, too. Uh, but for me, this movie is where, um, <laughs> I don't know, I, the more I've been thinking about the movie now, the more I'm just kind of like, this is such, like, hilarious fluff today. The fact that this movie ends with them playing a harmonica duet, and that, like, yeah. brings the families together, like, it's only so, Frank Capra can get away with that. <laughs> you have it's to so get into ridiculous. his, it, you have to get into his... <laughs> His frame of you do. Of fr- I mean, his that's frame why of they framing. call it like the Capricorn movie. Capricorn, it's very corny. This one is <laughs> of the three movies, uh, of not the three of the movies of his that we're going to cover. This is probably the corniest. Definitely the corniest. Um, but it's 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 like it's. Uh, but it's still it's, it's so heartwarming. It's a very though, that, like good corn. It. it is. I will say of them, it's also probably it's from a play, and it does tend to feel a little bit like it's from yes. a play because it takes place on a number of sets. Definitely. The majority um, of it's in the household, yeah. This is also the a Vander huge Hall movie household. for um, Jimmy Stewart. Uh, yeah. Because this, he wasn't a big name mm-mm. at this point. And this is his, re- this is his first really big movie as a lead. Definitely. And it's yeah. also like uh, the movie that really defined the characters that he played in the coming years. Like, this is a pinnacle Jimmy Stewart performance of that Mm-hmm. Just you know, um, that young aw shucks. Yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, who like falls in love with the girl. It's, it's really interesting. He's he's the best known person in this cast now, but he's the third build. 
Yeah. In no, this well, movie. Who was billed above him? Was Lionel uh, Barrymore? Gene Arthur got top billing, and then Lionel Barrymore and Jane okay. Stewart. I, I would love to talk about Gene Arthur, because I really like Gene Arthur. Gene um, Arthur. Yeah, she's fantastic. I love her little voice. Her it's voice like, is so unique. It's so unique. It's like kind of husky and squeaky. Squeaky. And she's very like mousy. Yeah. Yeah. It's But it's not... <clears throat> not annoying. It's not annoying. It's not too high pitched, but it's it is mousy. Yeah. But it kind of feels like she smokes. I don't know. Oh, uh, she probably did. I'm sure she did. But do you did. know? She's very interesting as a person because she, um, she uh, was apparently really reclusive, um, and uh, hated being under contract to Columbia. <laughs> and apparently, whenever her contract ended, she ran through the streets of the of the studio yelling, I'm free, I'm free. Oh my gosh. Um, and then she didn't make a movie for a few years, uh, from like 43, 48-ish. She makes a, mo- a Billy Wilder film called A Foreign Affair. Uh-huh. And then she makes a movie called Shane. Shane, And yeah. then she's done. And that was it. And then she eventually becomes a professor at Vassar in oh, the wow. late 60s. And do you know who one of her pupils... Meryl Streep. Must have been Meryl. Meryl Streep was one of her pupils. She was taught by Gene Arthur. Get it. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Well, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, she only got one nomination for a movie called The More the Merrier, which was her last movie at Columbia. Um, there you go. Directed by George Stevens. Yeah, uh, uh, another great director. Another great director. Um, this Who was movie... up and coming at this, uh, in this decade. Yes. This movie was by a... Uh, it's a pure. It says it's a Pulitzer Prize winning play. Yes, and the play um, was still on Broadway when the movie came out, which I think is very smart because it was a huge success on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, and I think Capra noticed that and was like, "We got to jump on this." And they because... don't always let they do that. Sometimes it's like in the contract where the play has to end before they can make the movie. Definitely, you know. Yeah, but it was such a good payoff. This was the highest grossing film of the year. That's actually what happened. Frank Capra made Arsenic and Old Lace, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that movie was held. For a couple of years, because it couldn't come out until the play ended on Broadway. That makes sense, and it ran yeah. for a long time. It did. Um, that makes sense. I forget that that's a Frank Capra movie. Let me make sure I didn't make that up. Arsenic and Old Lace. Arsenic and Old Lace. I'm pretty sure it's a Frank Capra film. If it's not... I really hope you're wrong. Yeah, it's right. It's Damn Frank. It. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Uh, Just I've been wrong several times this episode already. I just want you to be wrong at least I didn't once. notice any times you were wrong. <laughs> George Kaufman and Moss Hart wrote the play. They also did uh, The Man Who Came to Dinner, which mm. came, which is a, another oft-performed uh, comedy. Um, yes. I feel like both of them may even be better known as plays than they are as films at this point. You know? Yeah, definitely. Because um, they're... I think they're easy to put together plays so you'll see schools do them a lot oh for sure yeah what i found most interesting about this i was doing some um research i love reading like old reviews about the movies fantastic so much fun and one of the um what's interesting about this film is it's about you know these two families one very very like rich and snobbish one very liberal free-minded and they come together but what's interesting is the the rich snobby family um, are millionaires because of their um, like gun industry that they're building, yeah. right? Um, and literally a year to the day after this movie came out was when Nazi invaded Poland. Oh wow! Isn't that crazy? Wow, that's that's really interesting. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And like this is a movie about a monopoly over the gun making industry. Isn't mm. that crazy? 
I mean, how timeless is that too? To totally. Today because uh, you know we have all of the controversy. I mean, like you know, you probably. I but I'm dating this episode because we're recording it weeks before we're going to put it out. Right. But <laughs> uh, uh, there was a recent story where Walmart is limiting the sale of guns at their stores. Oh, really? Uh, and ammunition, uh, and they're asking. Uh, no matter what stage you live in for uh, people not to bring guns into the store because um, there are places that have open carry laws even in places like Walmart. Uh-huh. Um, we live in California where this kind of thing doesn't happen as much. Um, but uh, it's interesting that this debate is going on right now. Mm-hmm. You watch this movie, there's that and they are represented by this rich, wealthy, elite class and then Ultimately, it's the poorer liberals who are happier, mm-hmm. um, which is a, and that's what the whole message is that Cap was trying to get across. It's a timeless is, method, message. Yeah, you know, he's saying you can't take it with you. You can't take your money and um, material things with you mm-hmm. in the afterlife. All you can take with you is your happiness, and yeah. you know, you should be on a, a quest for self fulfillment and not a quest of gaining you know material goods which is for a renter in los angeles yeah <laughs> it's a great thing <laughs> so true it's a great thing to watch oh man uh, paycheck to paycheck kid yes but here's like a couple of um um uh like words i pulled from reviews i think it's so like it just sums up what frank capra is all about uh, Variety gave the review and said this comedy is wholly American. It's wholesome, homespun, and human. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, it says it goes over the heads of no one, and that's so true. This movie, such, it's so easy to consume. Nothing is too extreme or too complex for anybody. No. Uh, the humor is very uh, appealing to both sides. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. No, it is. It is. Uh, I, that's that's one thing about the stereotypical Capra is it tends to be pretty on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, again, when we get to 46, we'll talk about It's Wonderful Life, which yes. I think is interesting also amongst his films because I think it's the most subtle. Yeah. And like, what's, um, what's going to be fascinating, too, is we are about to start entering the decade of World War II and how changes that changes everything. everything and Hollywood kind of grows up a little mm-hmm. and they mature a little and we're going to see that in the movies especially ones that win best picture it's insane yeah we like, also get a few years of female led films yes, because they do. men are off at war yes, they are. women are the audience oh, and that's just when I'm just excited that's when get real good um, but yeah, I think this movie is really, really good. I, I really enjoy Lionel Barrymore in this. And so in Lionel Barrymore in the movie, he's on crutches the entire time. Yes. And that oh, yeah, yeah. wasn't a character choice. He was suffering from arthritis. Yes. Yeah, and it was if so you, bad. And Lord, so many references to It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. He's in a wheelchair and It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Um, he, uh, in pretty much, I, I think in every movie he makes from this point on, mm-hmm. He, he is in some way sitting yeah. in every performance. He had pretty much um, lost the function to use his legs. Yeah. Which is but so sad. It is really sad, but what's great is that they... He was... He's so good, mm. and he was so well-liked that they he kept making movies until he died, even though he was in... Uh, let's see, he died in 1954, even though he uh, was handicapped for that whole period of his life um he he kept working 
Oh, totally. That, that and that makes sense because like people want him to be in their movies. I'm sure. You know, he's such a huge he's presence a, on screen, and he's so. I mean, like. We saw him in Grand Hotel, and he was so different in Grand Hotel. So different. Uh, but what's cool is also, like, normally when you think of um, Lionel Barrymore, I think everyone thinks of Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Think of yes. him as this old, crotchety uh-huh. man who's always cranky and cantankerous and whatnot. But it's like, in this movie, he is so endearing and so sweet um, that it's great. But what I also love about this film, too, is... There are so many parallels between this movie and It's a Wonderful Life, which we keep talking about. In this movie is the first time we see a scene where all the townspeople gather their money together to help the family pay Which off. is a trope that's going to come back. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, oh, now you're seeing that the, the people of the town are rallying against the poor liberal family, not the high-class, snobby rich family. Yep. You know? It's a... Uh... Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, which um, we see a lot in Capra's movies. Yeah, Capra um, Capra's all about that communal spirit. So here's here's what I will very say. Very American. Here's what I'll say about this film though. Um what's her name? Uh Byington what's Spring Byington. Spring Byington, who's not even for supporting actress in this movie. Um, do you think it's deserved? <laughs> I mean, I think she's I don't think I I don't know if she's in enough of the movie. Yeah, I here's my deal. I don't think she did anything particularly particularly amazing i, I mean, will she's say fine she's funny she's cute in it but like, i always she's one of those people who's in a bunch of movies from this period and she's someone like you see her and you kind of recognize her because she's in so many films um she never is really asked to do anything that's very demanding she's more of just a, a nice presence mm-hmm. um and i really like her um but i i I feel like she's more nominated for who she is. Yes, and like her body of work kind of a thing, because she's body been in work. so many movies. Yes, but she, but she's never really asked... I mean, she doesn't do anything in this movie that's taxing. No, I mean... Are, she's the whole, just an eccentric Exactly. Presence. The whole humor and comedy of her character is that she's just a little aloof and stupid, frankly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she's like, writing. And yeah, you know, and so, yeah, a sweet performance. She's but cute. She's Oscar, super cute. No, not quite and she that didn't caliber win. of a role. She didn't win. It's nice that she has a nomination just because she did so much work. Definitely. How's yes. that? And that's, and that's fine. You know what yes. I mean? Like, that's fine. I'll, there, that's, I can agree with that. There you go. Um, and there you I go. I mean, other than that, the, uh, it had a writing nomination, which is totally totally uh fine i'm good with that one mm-hmm. uh cinematography and film editing i mean like i feel like those are ones that kind of just come with it being nominated for other stuff oh, it's interesting there's a really interesting shot in this movie which makes it really dark it's in that scene where um when they're in the boardroom near the end oh yeah and you have them talking they just like what did they, they fired the guy in the background he like what does he do? He like kills himself, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. He in does. the background of the shot, yeah. In the in the very far background, out of focus, and you see you know the dialogue happening in the foreground. And yeah. He's literally killing himself in the background because he's just lost his huge deal, and it's like whoa. <laughs> yeah. That kind of jumps out at you, so that's kind of an interesting. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about these Frank Capra comedies too. They always have dark elements. There's to a moment, them. but you can already you can see what he's saying. You know, like the this guy who kills himself in the background is like he lost all of his money and he had nothing left. Yeah. 
So he ended his life. I wonder if this, uh, Joseph Walker is the cinematographer's name. Yeah, he did it happen one night. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. It's it's a wonderful life. Go. Mr. Deeds goes to town. He is, he uh, did 20 films wow. for uh, Frank Capra. He was his, um, his right-hand man, it looked like. Yeah, no, and he, I mean, like, Capra's films do, if you think about it, have kind of a look about them, too. Oh, definitely. You know, there is a kind of, like... I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I think of these really contrasting light-dark yes. shots. Um, lots of play with focus, Yes, too, of having uh, the out-of-focus background, the in-focus... I mean, like, he does a lot of... Mm-hmm. And, and very specific lighting. Yeah, I... Yeah, you think about it, mm-hmm. and... There is a certain look to Capra movies. Definitely, that he definitely it makes has sense. a style that he's developed for sure. Um, anyway, I even though I I said that I prefer uh, if oh one more thing I'm sorry I was about to say something I have to mention Ann Miller's in this movie. Oh yes, young Ann Miller. Ann Miller's only like 15 when she made this Jeez. movie. She's also in uh, Stage Door, which we talked about. Yes. Yeah. But and Ann she's Miller dancing in this one. Yeah, she and that's what she became known for in the. Isn't in that the, funny? In the what 40s. I had read too is she didn't really know how to dance for this movie, <laughs> so when she was asked to do all these complex ballet moves, it really hurt her. So yeah. she'd be like crying <laughs> off camera. Oh a wow! Lot. Yeah, she'd be like crying because her feet hurt so bad. Well, Ann Miller ends up becoming uh-huh. a dancing legend. Legend. Yeah. Um, she's also if you ever just go. There is a sketch that's on YouTube called Shit Lies Manelli Says. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Just, all you need just to know. watch it. And at one point she says Ann Miller's name three times in a row. It's not real Lies Manelli. And then she appears. It's, an, it's a person impersonating Lies Manelli. But when she says it, it's just, I can't explain why it's funny. <laughs> it just really is. That's all. I feel like that's Liza though. It's really hard to explain why Liza Manelli is funny. She just is. She just is. She's I such a character. I love her so much. Oh my gosh, her. did you see the trailer? Oh, by the time this airs, the, we'll know what we think about the movie, Judy. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, the reviews oh, from Telluride so were so good. And um, like, they're just glowing for Renee Zellweger, and I love her so much. Okay, anyway, we'll I get can. to that later. <laughs> um, um, I think it's an interesting that this movie only won Best Picture and Director. It's the only two Oscars that it won. But that does continue what becomes the trend mm-hmm. of winning Picture and Director. And nothing else. And, yeah, which is, which interestingly did not happen the couple years before this right true did it happen for zola no because zola didn't win director no, best p- director went to it was awful leo mccarry yeah, yes. um and it didn't happen in 36 it didn't happen in 35 nope, it split in 36 35 was split. so the last time it happened was it happened one night yeah um, but it happened one night won a lot of other oscars as well yes you know this is just the only two that it won and that's yeah. what makes me think that since <laughs> Frank Capra was the head of the Academy. Maybe. What is... It's, it We're is, getting some yard work outside. It's, this it's is a soundproof studio. <laughs> <laughs> soundproof air-conditioned studio. Only the finest here at the Envelope, please. <laughs> Everything there is has... some yard work happening. We apologize. Hopefully you can still hear our voices. Hopefully. <laughs> I wonder as I wonder. Well, we're, we're almost done. So. We're almost there. But um, no, I... I, a part of me just wonders, this is just me being suspicious, uh, if the reason this movie 
the only Oscars that won were picture and directors because the head of this film was also Maybe the, the head voting of the Oscars. <laughs> Maybe the voting members felt a certain amount of Do pressure. You know what I, mean? I, I don't wonder. Know. And he'd also just settled the feud between producers and directors. Uh, with their unions, so maybe people felt, yeah, you know what I mean, a little inclined to give him more recognition. It's an interesting theory. I don't know. That's that's kind of what I think. But he's not going to win next year. He does not win next. Well, even no. though he is, <laughs> even though he is nominated, he is because again, something's yes. going to blow through. It sure is. So we are going to come back. Upends everything. It is. So next episode, guys, will be kind of a more. A more special episode. We're going to do 1939. We're doing a multi-part situation? Yes, I say so. <laughs> Hold on. Ho holding on. Just give us a brief moment to... There we go. Air, tighten up our studio fixings here. <laughs> You're still going to hear a nice hum you in the are. background. Oh, he's literally right there. Oh, no, he's... he's it's, it's a... I could touch him. <laughs> it's, a, it's a yard work day at my apartment complex. Um, so, so, yeah, next week, guys, I feel... Oh, this is what we should do. We should split it into one episode about the nominees and one, and episode, one episode about Gone with the Wind. Yeah. How Gone with the Wind, I, I like that idea. Yeah? We're going to do our first multi-part episode, and we're going to do our first episode where we really dive into each of the nominees. We are. Because 1939 is considered to be... The greatest year yes. in Hollywood history. It is. So we're going to find out why. We're going to find out why. So, I, you know what? And I'm making it a mission. I'm going to watch all the nominated films. I'm going to. I only have a couple left. I've, I, there were a few that I hadn't seen. Um, yeah, only a couple left. That's great. Uh, so I can really give some good feedback. Because I know you've seen a lot of them. And I actually have seen a lot of the 39 yeah. nominees. More so than I have of anything so far. Um... I have seen Gone with the Wind uh, probably <laughs> 20 plus times, um, so I don't really need to rewatch it. Yeah, I, may, I don't need anyway. to rewatch that. I've seen The Wizard of Oz tons of times. I think everybody has. Yes. Um, but uh, 1939 is not just Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz. It's so many movies. And if you, the fun thing about 39 is that I think just about any of the nominees might have been a winner in a different year. Exactly. So this is... Uh, yeah, so we'll get it too. All right. So uh, we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. We sure will.